This podcast is offered by Jikoji Zen Center on the web at jikoji.org. Our programs are made possible by donations from people like you. Hello, Vanya. Hello, Michael. Welcome, and thank you so much for, for joining us this morning. We're very grateful for your presence. It's a privilege. If, if I may, uh, some people that are in, in our Zoom land um, Sangha, our extended Sangha, haven't met you, so may I say a few words in introduction before you start? Uh, well, to everyone, I'd like to introduce uh, Vanya Palmer. Um, he is the senior Dharma heir of the Phoenix Club lineage, which includes um, Zen centers here in, in, in America and Zen centers also in Europe. Um, these, the Phoenix Cloud lineage, the Phoenix Cloud Sangha is uh, from Koben Chino Otagawa Roshi. And uh, Vanya has established in Europe uh, Zen centers um, in Switzerland, Felsendor, and in uh, Austria, Perg, and also some extensions in Germany as well. Vanya studied with uh, Suzuki Roshi and uh, did extensive practice here in America um, at Green Gulch and Tassahara, and uh, took transmission with, with Coben. Um, Vanya is also a passionate uh, animal rights activist and uh, very concerned with um, the the health of our planet in many, many ways. So thank you, Vanya, for coming here to teach us this morning and uh, uh, for your continued, continuing presence in our Dharma life. Thank you. Thank you very much, Michael, for your kind introduction. Um, I have to correct, uh, I arrived at the Zen Center shortly, like uh, within a year after Suzuki Roshi passed on. So I never actually oh. met Suzuki Roshi. Oh. Yeah. Welcome everybody. Um, of course, I don't know who is here. This is sort of, we have done it at Felsentor. It's a little bit unusual format. Um, to talk to, well, in this case, I talk to myself, I see myself. Maybe I don't look so much into myself, but um, especially giving a Dharma talk, it has a lot to do with your whole body and with presence and not so much with content that you try to uh, pass on. I think we all, have read many books and have 
basically know all the things. So. But we have to do the way we can do it. The last time I was in Chicoche was a good year ago, a year and a half almost, when we had a big general meeting here and we tried to straighten out things, fix the world. All my life I tried to fix the world in one way or another. I think we have to do that. It's no alternative to doing that, but probably there are many different ways of doing it, how to fix the world, how to... If you have something we don't like so much, we basically have two, we have two options. We can fix it in the outside, fix the world, and there are very clear cases where that is appropriate. If a child's car starts to roll slowly down the hill and we have a chance to grab it, it's definitely the way to do it. And then the other things like well, the fact that we all have to die, um, there's not so much we can do about it. So it's better to go to work on our perception of it. There are things in between. We don't like the cloud formations. Well, we can either work on our perception and start to like it, or we cannot look at it. So now I'm in Chicochi. Thank you very much. <laughs> and uh, actually, I'm in Switzerland. Uh, it's evening. The sun just went down. And uh, I took a boat ride from Lucerne over the lake to Vekis, where Felsentor is, and in my little farm below Felsentor. And I was reminded that. Um, what a privileged place we live in here. Most people actually trust their government here, like it. We have a direct democracy for hundreds of years. Though when I grew up, women still couldn't vote. <laughs> so we had that's also one lesson we we shouldn't get too idealistic and to try to make things too perfect that sometimes causes all kinds of problems but basically switzerland is a good country good government good system the president is made up out of seven people seven people they speak with one voice and the seven people represent the whole spectrum of the population so it's not a zigzag uh, politic that goes against each other, but they have to, it's slower, it's slower, but uh, uh, it's much more including everybody. Not, not having a 51% majority totally uh, beat on the other 49%. I, the other day, I 
some Americans were sitting next to me in a, in a cogwheel train and I came with a steamboat over here and he said, Switzerland is like one big Disneyland, which has some truth. Tourism is one of the main industries of Switzerland and so we do nice things. We, you know, to go up the mountain to see the glaciers and to go boat rides and have nice restaurants on the lakeside, all things that enjoy life, basically. Anyway. <laughs> So I have a rare chance to talk to you. And what do I want to talk to you about? Of course, I want to talk to, me, to you about the great matter, the big matter. What is it all about? What are we doing here? It really is quite, we don't have to look too deeply to realize it's quite mysterious and quite, um, we don't know. And we are the school that makes an emphasis of not knowing, that we don't know. It's not that we haven't learned enough or uh, tried hard enough, but the mystery is way beyond our grasp. At least our intellectual grasp, conceptual grasp. In our deepest, highest moments, mystical experiences, mystical ecstatic moments, we know in a different way. We are. But We have to give explanations. We have to uh, tell us, give ourselves stories of what we are doing here. And, um, and they can be helpful and they can be uplifting and encouraging. And, and we have to do it because we have that kind of mind. That, but basically, we don't know. Some are, some are even very funny. <laughs> But brilliant. I like the one where it is life <clears throat> is a definition of, definition of life. Life is a sexually transmitted mortal disease that no cure has been found against yet. <laughs> so we are all united by the by sazen by the idea that uh, that we cultivate our ability to look sit be with the mystery become the mystery without knowing without thinking about it including the thinking in the back but um, not predominantly Basically, we don't know. We sit in the middle and try to make our best out of it. Try to be content with that. It's very difficult to be content in this life. 
I <clears throat> once I um, was in France in Thich Nhat Hanh's place, and Wendy Johnson, some of you know, who was uh, for many years in, we were together in, in Saint Center. She became uh, she received Dharma transmission and. Tihnatan said, "You have. There's only one thing you have to know to be a Buddhist teacher." So we all were listening. What could be the one thing that we have to know to be a Buddhist teacher? He said, "All you have to know is how to be happy, how to be content." But as we all know, that's not so easy. If I give a lecture and I'm an important person, it's sort of easy to be content with that role. But um, on a daily basis, we have to make a certain effort again and again. So our practice, of course, is to study ourselves and we want to be happier, we want to be more peaceful in a more peaceful world. We cannot separate these two things that we learn very early on in the game. <clears throat> it's not possible to be separate these two things. It's possible to be happy in an unhappy circumstances. If you're, and we have nice example of that again and again. And sometimes even particularly terrible situations push us to more clarity. Sashin would be an example of that. So. I feel if we look at the great matter, especially in our times, we also have to look at the world. We have to look at the world as it is. And in some ways, I think we are in a space where we have not been before as a human species. I know, you know, there were always times where people thought the world goes under and so far it hasn't, but um, it's almost an archetype. Maybe that's imprinted in our genes. I mean, we have been close to extinction. Uh, science tells us that we all come, can be traced back to six mothers, six mothers. That was a small group that somehow survived. I think it was in the time when the, the dinosaurs got extinct. It was very, very skin and we, but we made it. But that's imprinted in us, I think. It's amazing how clever we are. I mean, how, how clever beings we are. Brother David actually is, today is his 40, 94th birthday. He's a happy birthday, Brother David. He's stuck in Argentina, but happily so, in a, on a farm a few hours out of Buenos Aires. And his mother used to say to him, and that's why I thought of him, 
because he's a little clumsy, hits his head, likes to hit his head and drop things and so forth in the material world. So his mother would say, how can an, such an intelligent person as you be so stupid at the same time? And that, I find this is, describes our human species perfectly. I mean, we are so clever, we are so genius, we can do things and not only in the material level, but capable of great um, well, of mystical experiences, among other things. And, and so stupid when it comes to our own survival on this planet. I mean, we know it all and we seem to be just stupid. So if I look at the world and if I looked at the big picture, everything is just perfectly fine. Everything is really just fine. And whether I look at it on, on a like, you know, culpas come and go, like in a spiritual, you know, there's errors that rise and fall. If I look on a on the scientific level, of course, biological life is in <laughs> life is not endangered in any old way. Thanks God, we're not that powerful. If I look at my personal level, I'm not worried at all either. I had a very good long life, many, and um, if it's if it ends here, it was a long good life, and, and probably it will go on for a little while, and uh, no worries about on, on that level either. But if I look in the middle, on the on the level of our human species, I'm. It doesn't look so good. So we all know that. And we can ask, what can we do? What could be the remedies of of our situation? And it's pretty clear to me that it, if we have a chance, it will be a raise of consciousness in our, in our species. Many individuals live it, do it, try it, make effort. And, um, and it's, it's very possible. It's, it's, in some ways, it's a race with, with time, I think, also. Um, it's very possible that we wake up as a human species and become aware of the beauty of and the tremendous mystery and 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 and, uh, and uh, the potential that we have here and make use of it. So we start centers, make sense. We do yoga, we do meditation, we do all kinds of things and hope for the best. Some of us 
use what the native people call medicines. That is, beside animal rights and meditation has become the last 10 years or so a field of concern, interest, and where I put energy into. The whole spiritual awakening that happened in the West in the last 50 years has been strongly influenced and driven by these, by these sacraments, by these medicines. And maybe I used to, I used to um, say I do not give a Dharma talk without mentioning the animals, our fellow earthlings, and how we treat them. And, and um, uh, now most people know that, aware of it, at least the people that listen to that kind of talk. Now I do the same thing with overpopulation. Not a very popular theme and not an easy one, but we are too many human beings on this planet. Already we are too many and take away the space of all our fellow earthlings. But we still keep growing quickly and fast. And that is, that is a serious threat to ourselves and the world as we know it. Of course, it's the two factors, the number of people and the way we live, the, cons the consumption, and both are equally important. We have to do, consume and live as sensible as possible, but even if we all become vegans and walk and bicycle, there's a limit of how much people this earth Especially if we think of the other bigger animals. If the top objective would be to just have as many people as possible, we probably could under eliminate all bigger other animals and probably could feed many people, 20 billions or something. But who wants them? What an impoverishment that would be for, for ourselves and, and everybody else. So, I think I will come to maybe I have to find a little bit of a more uplifting ending. I couldn't. <laughs> um. I'm not sure, but maybe I told you that I probably have told you the story before, but it's the one that just comes to mind now. It's a, the story how a caterpillar becomes a, a butterfly. And a, a, an Italian biologist describes it very beautifully. She, a woman, I think she, you know, the caterpillar is eating, eating, getting very fat, sort of an aggressive thing. And then at some point, and that's interesting, and of course parallels us, it's not a bird or a spider or anything like that that comes, but the caterpillar itself starts to cocoon, it, cocoon itself. And then 
for the caterpillar, catastrophe starts. The caterpillar starts to die and it dissolves completely. It's not that it's not that the legs of the caterpillar become the legs of the butterfly, but it completely dissolves in a sort of soup. And they can actually measure now that the immune system tries to avoid that. The caterpillar tries to stay alive and all the mechanism, but of course it has no chance. It sort of dissolves into this soup of molecules and cells. And then it starts somehow miraculously as the whole process is to organize itself in new ways. And somewhere eyes start to form and somewhere belly starts to form. And so of course I hope and that's that we are one of these new we try to be find new ways how to reorganize ourselves. Obviously, the model as we had it, greedy and aggressive, was pretty good so far. Brought us to where, if it's good where we are. <laughs> um, but now we have to find new ways. We have to actually, actually find new ways. And maybe the Corona thing is very helpful. You know, I, I had to laugh when I saw the head priest like the, like the Star Wars. <laughs> Appreciate your good taste of having a black mask and the black, to the black robes. But um, maybe, we, maybe we can mutate to a more loving, kind being. You know, and we, we probably need from the outside laws that uh, guide us along and protect us. But basically, this has to come from the inside. No, you cannot order that. You, we have to, it, it has to rise. And if it's meant to be, it will rise and we will make it. And if we can't, the way we treat this planet and the other habitants, it's probably better sooner than later. Is it better to, for us to... So I was told that we have this great opportunity to be able to even talk a little bit to each other. If somebody has a question or a comment, or I would be happy to respond. This, by the way, is a picture of Coben. And this is Anton, the oldest pig that just passed on a few weeks ago. Oh. <laughs> All things must pass. Vanya? Hi. Can you hear me? Yeah. This is Calvin Malone. Hello. Oh, Calvin. How you do? Uh, thank you. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. I don't, I don't think you can see me, though, right? I can see you. You can? Good. Uh, I just want to say, and, and for everyone that's listening, uh, I, met Vanya, I met Vanya uh, through the mail when, when I was in prison in 1995. And he sent a number of books to help our, our Sangha, which was just starting at the time. And since then, he, which wasn't mentioned in the introduction because Vanya doesn't normally tout his other accomplishments, but he's also been 
the, uh, the driving force for uh, a lot, hundreds of prisoners uh, in, in support. But onto your subject about being content in, um, and where you are. I would like to say that there have been numerous times throughout my 27 years of incarceration when I found myself to be genuinely content where I was, despite the fact that I was in a very, very difficult place and that there were very difficult situations going on. And it was because of the practice and the practice wasn't an immediate unfolding of knowledge and, and understanding. It was a, a, a peeling of the, under, uh, of the onion skin. And the more I learned, the more content I became while in that environment. And uh, I would like to say thank you, because had I not had the support of you and others and the, and the Dharma, uh, I would not have been able to experience being content in prison. And there were times when there were prisoners who were really angry with me for being content in prison because they were so miserable. So thank you. And thank you for your talk. Thank you, Calvin. And you, Calvin, um, since you put me up on a pedestal, you wrote a book, actually two books. And uh, um, Doing Time? Yes. Is one, and the other one? Uh, one is uh, called uh, Raise a Wire Dharma. Raise a Wire Dharma. Mm -hmm. And then there's the, uh, the German edition, which is uh, Freigang. Mm -hmm. And then the more recent one with uh, Tooked and Children, which is uh, Unlocking Your Potential. For people who are incarcerated, it's a free book so that they can navigate the uh, prison system. But um, yes, uh, that, those books were also inspired by Vanya because of his continued support made it possible for me to have the space to do that. And I really appreciate it. And not to mention, not, not to forget rather, the fact that it was also his support that allowed us to build the first and perhaps only single standing pagoda in a prison setting in the United States. It was beautiful with garden, walking meditation path and uh, seating areas and so on. Um, and it was, wonder it was wonderful. So thank you for your support and thank you for uh, the Dharma talk today and good to see you again. Thank you. I'm sorry, I just want to ask Calvin Malone if he's still in prison or is he out of prison? Uh, I, was, uh, I was released in, uh, on, in December, uh, last, last December, and uh, I stayed at the Olympia Zen Center with Adolf Francis Carney and the Sangha, and the Sangha supported my transition. I have to say in all fairness that uh, most people do not have the kind of landing that I did because I went right into Sashin and I went right into retreat. I went right into working around the, the, the grounds and did not have to deal with 
uh, society immediately. Um, I, little by little, I, I got my identification together and all the paperwork one needs, but I didn't have to rush and do it because I was not thrown into the streets and into homelessness. So it was very fortunate for me. And then COVID hit and I couldn't go anywhere for a while, but I've now moved into my own place. Uh, I have a question or, or comment on your talk. Uh, thank you very much for the talk. And you mentioned that, that life will go on regardless of us, but some form of life will go on. I think that we're, we're already past the point of mass extinction in, in many levels. Um, and, you know, I don't think it'll just, unfortunately, it won't be just us going. We're going to take a lot with us, and and that lends me the question. I mean, when you when you mentioned contentment in your own life, and I have that, but but then when I look around, and okay, I can do zazen forever, and that's not going to influence the decline. I mean, I, I know I know Thich Nhat Hanh said we should accept the end of the world, but then there's part of me that says, well, what can I do? You know, what can I, what, how can I, how can I um, do my part? You know, uh, if, you, if you'd like to comment on that, I'd appreciate it. Thank you very much. That's the right question. Absolutely. You know, and <clears throat> I sometimes these days feel like the musicians on the Titanic, <laughs> you know, they kept playing. I mean, they knew the boat was going down <laughs> and, but, you know, in order not to panic, come out, break out panic. And they did an important thing. They were, you know, even if you, as you say, we know that we die and we, we, this world, as we know it, it seems we should always be open to for surprise. We should always be open to for surprise and support that surprise if it actually does show up. Um, but at the moment, I think it doesn't look so good. It doesn't look that way. So, what can we do it you know and day by day get up and try to be on the personal level as content as possible within the difficult situation that we are in and uh and as a as a group or as we can we know we, there's many many ways where we can can get involved wherever one is drawn to and try to actually influence things as they go and then, but also, really, that's that's the ultimate challenge. Like uh, one of the Harry was an Indian man that lived at the beginning of Green Just he said, you know, the the white man was the ultimate challenge for us sorcerers or for us uh, medicine men. Obviously, we, uh, our world was being killed. What so there was no option then to go inside. If we, you know, if we lose our 
good humor and spirit, there's just one more unhappy being on this planet. That doesn't change the course either. So <laughs> I try to at least, it's a balance, of course. It's a, it really is a, 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 our whole life is a balancing act in, in many ways of, of somehow making peace with contradictory things that we have and feelings and draws that we have and impulses that we have. Could add something, Vanya? Uh, I uh, considering the word uh, contentment or the experience of being contented. Uh, we think of it. We think of it initially or superficially as. Um, kind of being fed or having, uh, having all our needs met. Uh, but I think uh, something that the practice has uh, informed us both kind of uh, uh, with our bodies and with our minds as well as that, um, that it, isn't, it isn't being fed to to a fullness or to excess, but being fed uh, just enough. And I, I remember that the uh, Oryoki practice somehow gets translated as Oryoki, the word, as just enough, not too much, not too little. And uh, I think that's as we negotiate uh, this time. Uh, with this difficult time, uh, we can locally, as much as possible, keep keep that in mind. That to uh, just take just enough, what is necessary, what is sufficient, and that can be our contentment. Thank you very much. Very well. Hello, everybody. This is a new media for me. Hello. Just last year when you were visiting Vanya, was it last year? I asked, is there some way we might be able to record the meeting for a friend who is a shut-in and cannot leave her home. And now, everybody does that. It's just amazing. So I hope that these things we cannot even imagine that are good come to pass. Wonderful to see you, Theo. <laughs> Good morning, Vanya. Thank you for okay. trying out uh, Zoom here from Switzerland. It's a real pleasure. <clears throat> I, want, I wanted to uh, say that in some ways, it seems like our time is 
easier for this sort of bodhisattva practice, we're not supposed to be too attached to our deeds. So since we have no idea about any success in our deeds, we don't, it's easier not to worry about it because we have no way to sort of grasp. So in some ways, it's a good time. Thank you. Jerome honored us last year with uh, serving tea in all our European centers. That was a, was a, was a big event to just actually, just yesterday we had our general meeting and was, is Jerome coming again? I said, well, not this year, maybe next year. <laughs> it was a pleasure. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you. Can you give us some kind of report about how things are doing? Has anybody been affected by the virus in your, uh, in the Zendos in Europe? Not really. So oh, we had, yeah, we, we had a, a total shutdown also. And, but now it's, we reopen and, um, and uh, we do retreats in, in Felsentor and Purek. At the end of the month, I will do the Coburn Memorial at Purek. But we do it on a reduced scale. We have less people with more distance. We do not wear masks so much here and not in the Sendo. But um, uh, yeah, we also started doing the Zooms. The Sunday we have also open meditation. And, but now we do it, we do it in the Sendo up at Felsentor and people come, 20, 25 or whatever. And we also, we, we zoom it. So we, we keep that one going. And uh, maybe some other things will keep going. We started an online class. Well, it's popular, so we probably just continue doing it. Though, <clears throat> I don't know, it seems, I have no idea what, you know, it, it, Personally, I feel that you can, real experts that seem trustworthy people, if I look at them, that are, you know, doctors, virologists, uh, epidemiological people, and they cover the whole spectrum of, it's totally nonsense, everything to it's, uh, you know, close to extinction. So I think nobody really knows. I don't know, certainly. And, uh, well, it's as if we had known before, really. I mean, we sort of felt very safe in many ways, but just brings it a little bit more to the forefront that we, things are going on that we don't know. And, and it's good to keep a certain distance and all that, but many things then, if you, if you really follow through, it sort of becomes ridiculous in some ways. I mean, you cannot, I don't know, you, ha you are in contact with other people and you can, if you, you know, if it's, so people dance again together in clubs closely, but then in the, in the, in the trains, there were masks and uh, I don't know.
you you spoke about the the image and the, the metaphor of the caterpillar and this sort of seemingly internal struggle that went on um, and finally if if I heard you right it uh, it, it fights its dying and and then somehow realizes the the need to reorganize and shift those forces into becoming, or that, that biology into becoming a caterpillar. Um, to, you know, so I, I guess my question is, do you, do you have any hope about human beings having that capacity? Yes. Um, yes. You know, maybe it's, a hundred years on the road when things are more desperate or 200 years. I don't, I don't know. I don't, it's, it's a it's kind of a unknown scenario in a way. So that's my question. It is an unknown scenario, but you know, it. I have deep trust in the whole process. I couldn't have thought it up in first place. I mean, I look, I mean, what, what kind of a, enormously complex, enormously mysterious world there is. Some, somehow that the fact that that is, that we are, makes me totally trust the process. That I don't, you know, it doesn't mean that we as human beings will survive in that way that we are familiar with. That I have no idea, but that this big thing goes on and somehow Probably our, we were not the end point of evolution. That's probably more than likely. And that some other things come after us that, you know, the dinosaurs probably thought they were the greatest. Well, they were. <laughs> some other things came along. So, well. I mean, I try. I think we should try our best to make us survive, <laughs> and, but uh, uh, but uh, I also trust that if, even if that does not happen, things will go on. Anya, uh, greetings from Santa Cruz, and good to see you again and hear you again. I am reflecting back on when I first arrived here. Uh, 45 years ago, and I was um, searching and checking out spiritual practices, so to speak, and uh, wavering between yoga ashrams and Ananda up in the Sierras. And then I met Coben on School Street uh, here. And uh, although the practice he presented seemed so much uh, darker and more serious than the uh, kirtan and liveliness of of yoga. I uh, I was uh, taken by him, and he embraced embraced me. And so uh, here I am, still here we are. Uh, but that uh, the, the seriousness of of the Zen practice, he intertwined and it, it passed on with you and Angie and other the other teachers in his lineage that 
not to take things so seriously. And, and that's what I, I capture, you know, a thread throughout what you said today is reminding us, Coben's, not to take ourselves or this, you know, the great matter, as you called it, not to take it too seriously. And uh, I'm very grateful for that teaching that continues with us. Hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I was told that at um, 12.30, people want to have lunch. It was, uh, I think it was uh, Zwingli, the, 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 the reformer, Swiss reformer in Zurich, who said he, he likes short speeches and long sausages. <laughs> We are vegetarians, but we like. <laughs> we don't want to infringe on the on the lunchtime. Thank you very much. It was wonderful. The one, few I saw, it was great. It was really wonderful. And, uh, we'll, chant, we we'll chant to end, Anya. Okay. Closing okay. chant. Okay. May our intentions equally extend to every being and place with the true merit of Buddha's way. Beings are numberless, I vow to save them. Delusions are inexhaustible, I vow to end them. Dharma gates are boundless, I vow to enter them. Buddha's way is unsurpassable, I vow to become it. Well, let me finish by thanking the, the, the uh, uh, people living at Chikochi for taking such good care of Chikochi and keeping it alive, led by our brave leader, Michael, and by the whole wider Sangha, you know, I, people that Chikochi is such a wonderful place. Brian and Jerome and many, many people help, but especially of course, the people who live there. Doug and, Doug and uh, Hogan and, uh, and John is with us now, um, keeping, keeping the place going. So, yeah, it's Thank good. You. It's really good. Thank you, Thank you Vanya. Thank you. Thank you. Wonderful Thank you. to see you again. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by Jukoji Zen Center. Our Dharma talks are offered free of charge, and this is made possible by the donations we receive. Your support helps us to continue to offer the Dharma. For more information about Jikoji, please visit us on the web at jikoji.org.